Well, hey, my name's Jay. I'm the youth pastor here, and uh, they ran out of options for people to preach because Chris is out of town, so they were like, well, we'll just go with him, you know, and figured they would do a senior send-off at the same time. So I don't know if all of you are here because I'm preaching or because Garth Brooks was canceled. Who knows? Sorry for your sorrows there. That thunder was rolling. Like I was like, I literally... <laughs> this morning, I, if it wouldn't have been like, hey, you need to work on your sermon and like make sure everything's working, I really just wanted to look up like song, Garth Brooks song lyrics to like plug in the whole time. Like mama's in the graveyard, daddy's in the pen. And I was like, I don't know how that fits into a sermon, but man, it'd be great. So, um, but no, we're glad that you're here this morning um, to, we're going to celebrate our seniors a little bit later on. Uh, and then you're also going to get to hear me preach. And you're actually, we're going to, those of you that come on Wednesday nights, I'm literally just doing what I do on Wednesday nights. We're just doing a rehash of it so that you guys kind of know where we've been on uh, Wednesday night stuff. So we, on uh, uh, our student ministry has been going through the book of Matthew. And this for the past, gosh, I don't know, since COVID opened back up, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. And we've just been talking through the Sermon on the Mount verse by verse, going through these little sections and just talking about what it looks like to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to kind of run through. I'm going to give you like a 36,000 foot view of what we've been talking through. And then we're going to try to tie up a little passage in the Old Testament, put it all together, play music, pray, what's up, and then go through and uh, celebrate some seniors. And so... Here we are, Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5, or Matthew chapters 5 through 7. If you never get a chance, or if you ever get a chance, take some time, three chapters, 5, 6, 7, and read those three chapters and what it looks like to be a citizen and, and, and look at it through the lens of what does it look like to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven, all right? And that doesn't mean like what does it look like to live in heaven, but what does it look like here and now to walk this earth and be Christ-like to other people? What does it look like to walk this earth with your coworkers and your, your, on your sports teams, on your you know, social media platforms? Like, what does it look like to live a Christ-like life in front of people? And so we, uh, it, we covered things like this. Sermon on the Mount starts out, chapter 5. We covered things like this. Blessed are those who are humble, Right? who are meek, those who hunger and they thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, the peacemakers, those that are persecuted for the kingdom's sake and other things. Jesus goes through and he says, this is what it looks like to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And we look at those things, like if we watch that slide at the very beginning of the David sermon, the series where shepherd and king and adulterer and murderer and all these things, and, and we start to see Jesus, he comes through in this chapter 5, and he starts talking through, and he's saying, blessed are the meek, the humble, those who thirst for righteousness. And we see that those are all characteristics of who God is. Just like we saw the characteristics of who David is, we see these are characteristics of who God is. He's humble, he's merciful, he's loving Right, he's patient, he's all these things. And so we talk through what does it look like? 
We also talked about being salt and light, and we've all heard that being salt and light, and that, that we are like a, a lamp that is set on a hill, and that you don't put a basket, remember, no, I'm going to blow it out. No, you know that, whatever that song was. It's been a long time. Won't let Satan it out. That's right. I'm going to let it shine. It came from that verse, if y'all didn't know. But, but that we were salt and light, and that this main idea of being salt and light was that the, the idea was that if you are breathing, it don't matter if you are 8 years old or 80 years old. If you're breathing, you got a purpose, right? If, you, if you're breathing, you got a purpose. i tell you one of the greatest things, without getting emotional, Josh Hudgens. That brother said, him and Dusty were having a conversation about like, well, if this happens again, what do you want me to do? He says, hey, if I'm still breathing, i got a reason, right? And that whole like salt and light idea hit so like true to that because if you're still breathing, you got a purpose. That you're salt and light and that if you're in this world that God's intentionally put you in certain places, whether it's in work, home, businesses, or whatever it might be, that God's put you in those places for a purpose. You're salt. You're light. Like you have a purpose. And so we talked through that as, as students that even though that, that we're young and, and whatnot, that God has placed you where you're at for a purpose. There's a reason for you to be there. We talked about love. We talked about anger. We talked about lust. We talked about divorce. We talked about retaliation, revenge. What does it look like when somebody is hateful towards you and stabs you in the back? And how do you turn around and you just love them through it anyways? Like, how do you continue to show somebody Jesus when they've hurt you? And they've hurt you real bad. You see, again, these are all like characteristics of who God is. We talked about loving your enemies. We talked about giving to the needy. We learned about prayer. We, we learned, like, how do we pray? Why do we pray? We talked about the idea that, that prayer, when we pray, it's that we, and especially when we pray for other people, we pray for other people because it's like we are, we are standing in front of the most holy of holy people and we're saying, God, we love this person so much that we wanna, I want to take time to pray for them. Like, there's no better demonstration of love towards somebody than when you pray for them. And, and you do so because you care for them and, and you're, you're willing to stand in front of God and say, and, and beckon on their behalf. We talked about anxiety, and especially in the world, in the, the climate that we live in right now, we talked about anxiety and, and what does it look like to be anxious and, and why not to be anxious. That, that in the passage, Jesus says, hey, listen, the birds, they don't reap or they don't sow seeds, but they reap. They always have food. He says, hey, you see these flowers in the field? The grass in the fields, they're beautiful, right? I clothe them with beauty. And he goes, but aren't you more important? Aren't you more important than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field? Like, don't I love you more? So why be anxious? Like, he says, there's no need to even be anxious because it's not going to add any extra time to your life. You know, Jesus is saying, rely on me, trust me. Like, I've, I've got your back. I'm going to take care of you. 
Don't worry about it. And see, we see a lot of that kind of that idea like with David through the whole passage or this whole series that we've been doing through David. We see a lot of David putting a lot of self-trust. Like he's sitting there and he's, he's trusting what his abilities, his gifts that God's given him, instead of like relying on God. And so it's the same is true. Like a lot of times we find ourselves just relying on self and we never just kind of lean into God and say, all right, God, you got a plan. I'm just here for the ride. And we talked about judging others. We talked about the golden rule. We talked about like treating others the way that we want to be treated. You know, and loving others like we love ourselves, and it's really easy as a person to love ourselves. Like, we're really good at that. That comes naturally. We naturally love ourselves, but then, like, we have to take that and shift that idea that how much we love ourselves is the same way that we need to love our neighbors in the exact same. We talked about tree. We talked about trees are known by its fruit that pear trees don't produce apples and peaches don't produce cherries but that a tree is known by its fruit, that, that if we're a follower of Christ, it's going to be obvious that we're a follower of Christ. It doesn't mean that you're the person out there having to like street preach. It doesn't mean that you're the person out there like just constantly engaging people with gospel conversation, but it means that, that there's fruit that comes out of your life. We talk about it a lot in, in, on Wednesday nights, is that people are going to know you by the way you act, the way you interact, and the way you react. By the way you act in your normal life when people aren't looking at you, by the way you interact with others, and you talk to them through those relationships, and then the way you react through good situations, bad situations, the way you react, people are going to see that. And that's where that fruit sometimes bears itself more clearly is through those type of ways, through our actions, interactions, and reactions. There should be obvious change in our lives. And then we got to this one, and it was real heavy. And if you have questions about it today, I'd love to talk to you about it. But we talked about the scary reality that there are going to be people, even potentially in this building right now, that will have never professed Christ but looked like a Christian their entire lives. And they put and rested their, their salvation on church membership. They, they rested their salvation on baptism. They rested their salvation on anything but the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says in here, he says, listen, Man, there's going to be people that are going to come and they're going to say, and I did all these things and I cast out demons in your name and I told people about you. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. I mean, that's a scary truth to think about. And so if you have questions about that, I'd love to talk to you about that today, Ben, Nathan. There would be a lot of people that would like to talk to you about what does that look like? What does it mean to like, say or look like a Christian, but honestly, potentially not even be a Christian. But again, that kind of goes back to the idea that a tree is known by its fruit, that there's going to be an obvious change that happens in one's life. 
And then we finished up the Sermon on the Mount with the build your house on the rock. That like when we set our whole life and we build our whole life upon truth, that God works all things out for our good. God works all things out for our good. If we build our house on, on, on truth and then the chaos of life hits us, we're going to be able to continue on because we rest in truth. We rest in, in the, the knowing that God's got something in store for us. We're going to be able to rest in the idea that we're still breathing so we still have a purpose. And that we don't have to worry about what God's going to do because we're more important than the birds of the air and the grass of the field and God loves them and cares for them and he cares for you even more. So Jesus preaches the greatest sermon to ever be preached concerning what it looks like to be a citizen here and now, where you're at. How you live your life around the people you work with, your friends, your family, your sports teams, your video games. I'm not into that, but some of you might be. Like your online platforms. How do you live your life? And then after the Sermon of the, on the Mount, we see the account of Jesus going through healing people. Man, this, this is probably some of the stuff as, as young Christians, like growing up in church, we hear all these stories like, you know, the paralyzed guy that they lower through the ceiling and he heals. And we, we see all these accounts where he heals like the blind people and lame people and demon-possessed people. We see accounts where he brings people back to life. Miracle after miracle after miracle. We see him, he is actively, we covered this idea that the reason Jesus healed people when he came out of there and he, and he went and he walked through his life and he healed people is because he was actively trying to restore creation back to its original purpose. You see, because when creation was created, it was perfect. There was no flaws. There were no blims, nothing. And so as God came in, and see, everything that is sin, everything that is bad in this world has been a direct result of sin in the past. You know, it says that sin entered the world and death came through sin. All things bad as a direct result of the sin that happened in the beginning. And so Jesus shows up on the scene and he is actively trying to restore creation. He's actively like walking up and involving himself in people's lives, having relationships, conversations, listening, caring for people, and he's restoring their lives. One after another after another. And we see account after account after account in the New Testament. We see he preaches these masses and he preaches all of these truths. And then he goes out and he says, and I've learned this through teaching over the past few years, this idea of explicit learning, right? Is that right, Jesse? 
Apparently, I didn't learn the term for it, but it's this idea of like, I do, we do, you do. Right, Dusty? Got it. Me and Dusty are in the same boat. <laughs> Try to teach shop to a bunch of kids that don't want to do shop and make sure they keep all their fingers at the end of the year. Pray for Dusty and I. <laughs> but it's this idea of this I do, we do, you do. And so Jesus stands up there and he preaches this sermon this I do, I do, I do, I do. And then he goes out and he immediately goes out and he says, we do it. Come on. He's showing us how to do it. He's going out there and he's showing us what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. See, before through the Sermon on the Mount, he just stood there and he just preached. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Well, you know, sometimes it's really hard because a lot of us, the way we learn, is like if we can see somebody do it, we can typically pick it up pretty quick. Versus if we just hear and, and read or watch or listen to somebody, it's a lot more difficult. And so Jesus goes out there and he says, all right, this is what it looks like to be a kingdom in heaven. Now here, watch me do it. Watch me do it. Like watch me interact with people. Watch me love people. Watch me be humble. Watch me care. Watch me be peacemakers. Watch me be pure in heart. Watch, like I have a purpose, like God put me here for a purpose. He's saying, watch me do this and do as I do. See, I guess if we were to wrap all of this up into a, a, the sermon into just one word, it's, it's, it's discipleship. It's that Jesus was teaching us how to do these things. And then he was showing us how to do it. He said, hey, if you don't understand by listening, let me show you how to do it. I needed him to do that. I need people to show me how to do things. And so this is how this all wraps into our David series. You saw up there a murderer, adulterer, king, giant slayer, prideful leader, man after God's own heart. All these things describe who David was. And we've walked through his life over the past few months and we've seen highs and we've seen lows. We've seen great moments of, of victory where he trusted in God. And then we see things like last week where David trusts in himself and pestilence comes to the land for three days and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have died because of David's sin. We see the good and the bad and the ugly. You see, we read those first words, or we read through that Sermon on the Mount, and we see these adjectives that describe Jesus. And then we see these adjectives that describe David. What words would you use to describe yourself? Or better yet, what words would your family use to describe you? It's a humbling question. I mean, like, we would want to think good, but is it? You see, our ultimate purpose on this earth is to make much of God. Like, God created all of creation to make much of Him. You know, God even said that if people don't make much of Him, the rocks will. Like, the rocks will cry out. They'll speak. That if we don't make much of God, creation will. And so we were created with the ultimate purpose to make much of God.
Again, people see Jesus in our lives through the way we act, interact, and we react. How we go about our daily lives, do business, to the things when no one's looking, to the way we deal with the most difficult moments in life. You see, we were created to make much of God in all of those moments. You see, but not far down the list of our ultimate purpose in life is the way our kids act. Oh, boy. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> the way our kids act. Whew. Anybody have any wild kids in here? I got one. It ain't Ruger. <laughs> Man. Well, I really thought, like, you know, so there's always just there's a gap between Ruger and Ruby, and, it, and there, there's a gap there because Ruger was pretty wild, and so we were like, oh, God, what if the next one is wilder? And so we were like, we need to put a little gap in there. And then, like, oh, little girl's born. It's like, oh, she'll be okay. Man, wow. She's something. She's not even in here right now because she was so wild. I saw mom, I saw Jesse take her out <laughs> outside. Um, but not far down that list of our ultimate purpose on this life is what our children do and how we raise our children. I know for me, the, my greatest hope outside of that in Jesus is that my kids would come to know Jesus and they would go off into this world and they'd make much of him. Like my ultimate hope in this life outside of that is that Ruger and Ruby come to know Christ and they love him with everything that they have and that other people come to know Christ because they see Jesus in their lives. More than anything, he can live, my kids can live in vans down by a river but if they're making much of Jesus and people's lives are being changed because they are involved in their lives, I don't care. Because, see, I can trust in the fact that God's going to take care of my children a lot better than I can. And so we get and we see this picture in 1 Kings of David and his son Solomon. So that was our intro, and so here's our verse. 1 Kings 2, 1 through 3. And it reads like this, When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Think about this. Think about having that conversation, that last conversation with your kid. Some of the most important things that if you could instill into their lives, you're doing so in these last moments. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord, your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it's written in the law of Moses. That you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. I think we can all relate to this passage. And we think of our, our children, or we think about a parent. David knows he's at the end of his life. 
And he wants to make sure that the things that he's taught Solomon over the course of his life, that Solomon would continue to do these things. You see, we saw the ups and the downs in David's life. You know what? So did Solomon. Solomon saw the highest moments in his dad's life, and he saw the lowest moments as well. And you got to think, even in this day and age, there are things that we've probably witnessed in our own lives growing up that have affected us in some shape, form, or fashion. Scott Hubbard, who's an editor for Desiring God, he writes this about how kids learn. Long before our children enroll in school, they learn in the classroom of the family. They listen in the living room. They study in their mother's arms. They observe over eggs and toast. And day by day, they absorb deep lessons. But only some of them are spoken. You see, parents, it's okay to mess up. Man, it's okay to have these moments down here. It's okay to fail. It's okay for your kids to see that. You see, some of the greatest moments in Christianity come from low spots in life. You see, because people know Christians by, again, remember the way that they react in situations. Parents, your kids are going to, they're going to see truth in your life and Jesus in your life through the way that you react in these low moments of life. So it's okay to fail. You don't have to be perfect parents. You can have the ugliest past, but you know what? God's going to continue to use you. You're still breathing. You're still salt and light. You have a purpose. We've seen it with David, but God kept using him. God used David to the point that Jesus, the Savior of the world, came from his lineage. One of the most wretched, some of the most wretched things that happened in life, God said, no, I'm going to keep using you. I'm going to keep using you. You're, you're good. You're not broken. Don't worry. You're not broken. I'm going to keep using you. You see, Christians, we've got to get off the idea that if when we mess up and we fail, that God can't use us anymore. Again, we're known by the way we react. And so the way we react is that we turn from our sin and we repent and we say, God, help me. You know what? And then we have conversations with our kids. You see, but like Scott Hubbard says here, he says a lot of those lessons are unspoken. A lot of those lessons just come from your children seeing you change directions and move towards Jesus. I see in my own son's life more mannerisms, and I even see it in my own life of my dad. Like, there are things that I do. Like, if my dad was up here preaching, he'd probably be doing his hands like this too. But it's like these mannerisms that we just somehow naturally get imprinted on us because we spend so much time with them. Solomon saw his dad through the mountaintops and valleys and what it did to them. And through sorrow and joy, God continued shaping David 
and generations after him. And God's going to continue using and shaping you. Remember those words that I asked at the beginning? Like, what would be some of the words that, that, your fam- that you would describe yourself or that your family would describe you as? In there, God would be using all those things to make much of Him. You see, God, luckily we serve this God who's so sovereign and so over everything that it doesn't matter if that it were a murderer, an adulterer, a liar, a cheat, a thief. God's still powerful enough and sovereign enough to love us through it and to use us and to change generations after us. See, because God's a reconciler, He's graceful, He's meek, He's patient, He's kind, He's forgiving. So parents, people, use this as encouragement to know that you ain't got to be perfect. You ain't got to be a Christian and be perfect. You're still going to have moments where you fail. You see, but God's powerful enough, holy enough, to love you through it and to reconcile you through it. Let's pray. God, we just pray that that you would just help us as, as people, as parents, God, followers of Christ, God, I pray that you would, you would help us to, to make much of you. God, help us to see our purpose in this life. God, I pray that, that in those moments that we, we lose our direction, God, that we would, we would turn to your word. God, that we would lean into it and that we would trust it. God, we pray that every time that we read it, we hear it, that we speak of it, God, that we would be changed. God, help us to see you or help people to see you in our lives because you live in it. God, live through us. God, I pray for those who might not know you today. God, there's questions. God, I pray that you would just work in their hearts, continue to just pursue them. God, I pray that you would put people around them to love them, to care for them. God, but ultimately, our hope is that they might come to know you one day. So God, we love you, and we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.